Welcome to the latest FT Advisor in Focus podcast. I'm Simini Kuriaku, Senior Editor for FT Advisor. We're talking today about the need for female financial advisors. Now, we know that women do not necessarily need to be advised by women, but in some cases, we know that people buy people. And for some women, maybe who have never had experience of financial advice before, they might feel more comfortable coming to a firm where they see a diversity of staff. So here to talk about why it might be good to improve diversity um, across the financial services industry and to encourage more women into financial services is Paula Hodge. She's Chartered Financial Planner at Old Mill and Zoe Douglas, Senior Financial Planner for Vanguard Europe. Welcome all. Thank you. Hi. Hello, hello. Um, now, Paula, if I could start with you, you know, we, we've all heard the phrase people by people, and it's a bit of a mantra, isn't it, in, in financial services. But how does this apply to advising people of a different gender? Yes, it, it's a good question. And I would just start off by saying that um, it's very much um, about qualities rather than the gender of a person that makes a difference when providing financial planning, wealth management advice. That said, um, it, it, it absolutely and certainly in, in, in my experience at Old Mill, it certainly does add a huge positive to have a, uh, a diversified advisory team. And I think part of the reason um, for having um, men and women in your advisory team is to be able to offer everybody suitable advice. And particularly with female advisors, I suppose, you know, from my own personal experience, it's true to say that as a as a female advisor, I, I do understand and can relate to women's issues. And as a result, you know, you have firsthand experience when when talking to them you know, around things, and I say women's issues, but I'm talking about things like advancing their careers, the dilemmas of um, juggling and balancing home life with work. It's the sorts of things that I've personally had to deal with myself. And so you speak with real honesty uh, and with some knowledge and experience and can really put yourselves in their shoes. So Zoe, we've heard about that sort of relational aspect there. Um, can I come to you? Could you build on that or, or add to what Paula's been saying? Yeah, I totally agree with Paula. I think at the end of the day, you know, if there's trust, a good advisor is a good advisor. But I think there is a perception with with clients uh, that, you know, that some people do prefer women. Um, I think there's a perception that some women advisors will know more about women issues. Like Paula said, um, uh, you know, even just things such as the state pension with women. And I think, you know, there's a perception of finance still having that, you know, that alpha male sort of influx. And I think it's quite nice for clients to see that actually the whole sort of the finance industry isn't all about sort of that alpha male qualities. Yeah, absolutely. Zoe, can I stick with you there? Um, because you sort of mentioned that sort of alpha male quality. Um, I mean, fortunately, in, in my sort of 21, 22 years of, of being a female, female financial journalist, I, I very rarely come against uh, come up against any um, real alpha males. I mean, most of the men I've spoken to have been really wonderful, helpful, empathetic um, people. Um, but I do know that in some cases, some women might be more comfortable speaking to a man. 
um, you know, have you come across any situations where women perhaps face certain sensitivities, either through divorce or bad experiences where they would only feel comfortable talking to a female? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you, you've mentioned divorce. Um, the bigger one that I've actually seen is actually um, men sometimes come um, to women advisors. And the reason is because they feel it's important, especially with joint planning, um, you know, they bring their they bring their spouse along. And especially with things like inheritance tax planning, they, they sort of, you know, wrongly or rightly think that, you know, if they go first, that they, you know, their spouse has got someone that they trust and a woman advisor who, who they like. Right, I've seen that quite quite happen a lot, that, you know, that male sort of wants their, their spouse to be comfortable with um, their financial advisor. Paula? Uh, yes, I would completely agree with you, Zoe. I, I myself have been approached by, you know, husbands, and, and I say husbands because it happens to be that way around. They, they've, you know, had had the careers. They've um, been taking the lead role in the the home finances, and particularly in the wealth management space that I'm in. As you will appreciate, the age demographic is certainly um, well into retirement and into later years. And as they're planning for later life. They are wanting to put their their wives in touch with a female advisor who will hold their hand, who will um, help to manage their finances when they may not be here. And of course, it is a great assumption because we never know who's who's going to go first. But there is this kind of protective, um, nurturing, I suppose, feeling by some of these um gentlemen who who do want to make sure that 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 their wives are are looked after and for whatever reason um they feel a female is um somebody who would uh, you know offer that nurturing caring um perhaps slightly more sensitive approach and but would, would there be any other sort of reasons perhaps Paula I don't know if there are any sort of religious reasons or a woman might prefer to be on her own in a room with a woman I suppose COVID has put all that on, on the head we're now on Zoom but uh, or whether there's been an instance of financial abuse in the past I, I think um, some of it has been around um, you know maybe I mean rightly or wrongly maybe having a little more um, time and patience to help educate and to really hold their hand because some you know, some individuals don't necessarily get involved in the finances at all. So it is about that nurturing, um, caring type of role. And that's not to say that men can't also offer that. But um, there is this perception, particularly maybe in, um, you know, that that sort of age demographic that that, that a female maybe can, can offer that more um, sort of natural caretaking um, service. I don't know. It's interesting um, because we've got plenty of um, male advisors here who offer a fabulous, caring, nurturing service to many of our clients. So it's by no means across the piece, but it's just something that I've experienced myself. Um, And actually, Sally, the the gentleman that I'm thinking of did did pass away. And I I went on to develop a a wonderful working relationship with his wife. And she became more and more confident as, as, as time went on. And you know, was was very comfortable female to female. Mm. That's a very interesting uh, discussion point, Paula, looking at um, the fact that perhaps older women, particularly those who are bereaved, might gravitate more to 
um, a female advisor, perhaps in, in that in terms of that sort of empathy or, or shared experience. Zoe, what about sort of younger women? Are, are there a sort of do younger women have a preference? Uh, are they sort of, do they tend to gravitate towards a female advisor? Uh, have you noticed any sort of trends in that sense? I, I think the issue being is that potentially the younger don't get advice. I think that's the first thing. It's less about gender there. You know, it's more about uh, there's a lot of education to be done within financial advice to be able to show what the benefits are. Um, and it's really, you know, you really only find that people start getting advice when they're either thinking about, uh, you know, retirement, have I, have I not got enough for retirement, all those big financial goals or inheritance tax. Um, so I'm seeing less of a gender issue with, with younger women. It, it's trying to entice sort of the younger generation to, to get advice. That's a really important point you brought up there, Zoe. And obviously, everyone, male or female, needs to be treated well. And as a client, they need to be sort of brought on board and made to feel like they're going to develop a really good relationship with their advisor. So generally, what sort of soft skills should advisors apply when dealing with any new client, male or female? Yeah, so I think the key one for me is just to have that human element have that human touch, be patient, you know, listen. Um, you've got to give that client, that investor, confidence. You have to get them out of that meeting feeling confident that they're knowing what they're going to do with their money, that they're either on track or not on track, whatever that being, but they, they need to feel empowered. And I think there needs to be, you know, advisors need to find soft skills to be able to give clients that, that empowerment. Mm. Empowerment, that's a really important thing. Paula? Yeah, I would, I would agree wholeheartedly with, with, with Zoe there. It, I think for me, it's about you can't be a good um, advisor if you don't have a genuine interest in people in your clients. And it is genuine. It's not something that's, that's artificial. I think the other important point, Zoe said, listen, is let them talk. And certainly from my experience, you know, it's all very well in the financial planning world. We talk about, you know, clients, goals, objectives, ambitions, aspirations. But you walk into a brand new client meeting and start talking in that language and they cannot immediately articulate what they want to do, what their key objectives are, their priorities are over the next 30, 40 years. It's, it's a big question. And I think that needs um, that's not something you nail in one meeting. It's something you nail through relationship building, through getting to know your client, through understanding them and their families. And you then help them. You don't put the words in their mouth, but you help them to understand themselves, what they really want to achieve and what they want their money to do. And all of that ultimately builds trust. And as as, as I'm sure Zoe will, will, will agree, the the, the basis of any good relationship with a client as a financial planner is trust and confidence. Trust and confidence. I mean, I've heard these words so many times and um, it seems that trust is very easy to lose in financial services and all it takes is like a rogue operator or a scam advert to put some people off financial services per se, even if it's not got anything to do with any regulated financial advisor um but sort of like how do we how can we go about building up 
that trust. I mean, particularly say say a younger person is coming to advice for the first time and perhaps they don't know, they wouldn't know what compounding is or uh, sequencing risk. I mean, you know, so how do we, how do we start building up their confidence? Uh, Zoe, I'll come to you and then go to Paula on this one. Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the skills I do, and I, I don't know whether this is common for a lot of financial advisors, is I sort of it's I think women especially appeal to this. I sort of when I go through a plan, I sort of look at every option, um, and I talk to the client about what they can and can't do, and the pros and cons, and I really take them through a sort of education lesson. I will ultimately always give them a recommendation of what I what I think they should do. Um, but I think they feel empowered knowing all of the options. And it's not just a huge secret about what we're trying to do. And I think if you give people that, those options, I feel that they will give, they get more trust with you because you haven't tried to hide anything. You've been totally open and honest. You know, a big one is fees as well. Be totally open and honest with fees. And I think you will get that trust pretty quickly. Interesting. Thank you. I think just going back to your your point about, you know, younger individuals coming for advice and, and how do they, you know, how do they wade through, um, you know, so much that is out there. And of course, so much that can be obtained now um, electronically. And I, I, I do think that there is an obligation on, on us as financial planners and the financial planning profession to um, continue to push the education, not only with those younger clients when they arrive, but really in education itself. So in the sixth form, in the national curriculum, we ought really to be having financial management. There's business management, but there isn't enough personal financial management. And that's certainly something as a firm locally down here in the Southwest where we're very keen on, you know, I suppose, um, working with schools, colleges, um, sixth forms to try and give those individuals a bit of an understanding just on how to manage their money so it's not complicated it's not difficult and how to you know and what to do if they read a headline that tells them that they ought to be investing x in this because they're going to make you know 30 percent in a week how do they actually you know have a balanced approach to what ultimately is a bit of an appealing headline and it's all about education and encouraging people to seek advice and that's not easy that's not something that can happen um, overnight it's something that we are really as a financial planning profession have going to have to commit to for, for, for many years to come and actually over the last 18 months I mean certainly for me um, using Microsoft Teams as we do in our firm for um, meetings has been a revelation it's not something I practiced before March 20 I did everything face to face and um, was a little bit conventional that way. However, it has been an eye-opener. And our reach now in terms of, you know, clients geographically, wherever they are, in terms of age demographic, we can arrange, um, you know, very focused, targeted sessions with young people, people looking at inheritance tax, people looking at this, that or the other. Um, and, and so I think, you know, the the, the, the new virtual way of life will be a great platform to help us with education. Mm. And certainly when you're looking at this uh, sort of the virtual life, the, the technology, so many advisors and so many people in financial services actually say, well, it's technology that will engage the young people. This is how we educate them. Um, 
But we're also seeing that younger people are much more diverse. You know, the new generations, there are far more women coming into senior jobs or into STEM work, um, people getting married much later, um, more young people of different ethnicities. And how does a firm go about advising these people if they're sort of not reflecting those people? I mean, what sort of what benefits does diversity then bring to any financial services company? And what can it sort of it bring in, in tapping into this new potential? Um, Zoe, can I come to you? Yeah, I think, you know, women in the workforce in the financial services sector brings, you know, a lot of different sort of styles and elements. Um, and I always think, you know, especially having uh, sort of that diverse nature, um, it brings people and the workforce uh, more at the forefront. And it's more about, you know, more about the clients um, and less maybe about the numbers. And, you know, numbers are all important, um, you know, how the business is, strength is and everything. But especially with women, it's more about, you know, what does the client feel? Mm-hmm. All those little small touches um, really matter. And I think women are really, really good at that, um, providing those sort of different aspects. And, you know, as well, just women in workforce, you know, highlight things like, you know, the gender pay gap um, and, you know, having that maternity leave and how can those things be structured. Um, so I think, you know, having a diverse workforce is, is, is really needed um, and I think it's a great thing for any company to get on board with. Excellent. Thank you. That That's very similar to what you were saying earlier on, Paula, you know, that having that empathy and having had that life experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think diversification, the other element is um, diversification, not only in your people, but in your offering. And and certainly, um, you know, we we've tended to um, go down the specialism route where we have a later life team, we have a rural team, we have a commercial team. And of course, by having um, women and men advisors, you find that, you know, each team has a combination of both. And it therefore provides this fantastic opportunity to provide a very rounded specialist experience for a client, given the fact that, you know, research has told us men and women are wired differently. We bring we bring differing qualities to the table. And it's not uncommon um, for a a man and a woman to go out and and see a client and provide a very um, joined up, rounded experience and that has proven very successful for us in that in that certainly in the specialist areas fantastic well we could sit here and talk about these topics all day but uh sadly we're, we're going to be out of time um paula and zoe i just want to thank you so much for your comments um for taking the time to speak to ft advisor today it's a pleasure thank, thank you. you thank you and so it seems that having empathy lived experience listening to the client, building up trust and confidence, educating them and bringing those little small touches can really help make a difference in a client's financial future. This is FT Advisor in Focus. Thank you for listening and until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.